Hello and welcome to this, our 11th attempt at a podcast. I'm Nigel Wheatley and beside me here, as always, is the other uh, 50% shareholder in Spool.ie, Pork Miguel. Hi, how's it going? Uh, so this month we're celebrating Spook with our Watch With Spool Halloween picks and then we're looking back on our favourite films from October and some of our less than favourite ones and seeing what delights lie ahead in November. To kick things off, here's a little bit of spooky music. So we know what that is. This was a film. This was from uh, Rosemary's Baby, a film that seemingly everybody else has seen, um, but neither of us had seen. And so what? Uh, we put together a post uh, last week, pork ro- or last month. Uh, pork wrote up, uh, which tried to just do three classic horror films and bring them to the people and to show them to us because we've never seen them mm. and we watched them and a few people have contacted us as well but bottom line we've now seen these films and they were great yeah it's and nice to have a wee list now and then to be like oh we haven't seen these we should actually make a concerted effort to watch them so it was yeah, good yeah exactly and so uh, the first one that I watched because uh, we, we should say the three films were Rosemary's Baby The Haunting the 1963 version and then uh, Suspiria so uh, the first one I watched I watched uh, by myself at home in the dark exactly how you're meant to watch these films and it uh, was Rosemary's Baby the uh, Roman Polanski film from 1968 so um First of all, absolutely loved it. Probably my favourite of the three. Um, Mia Farrow is in it as the leading lady. as this woman who, newly married, uh, beautiful moves into this beautiful apartment um, with, uh, is it John Cassavetes? Yeah, the, the, the apartment's yeah. fantastic. I think this is yeah. showing how I'm getting old when I was watching it. I was like, that's their apartment? They're getting that for how much? Looked fantastic. I know. It's like in Friends uh, when Monica got to live there while working as a crap chef. She got this huge In her apartment. granny's place for yeah, no rent. It was yeah. very iffy. You know, I, I didn't really believe that. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll move away from, uh, friends. from Friends now. Um, so yeah, beautiful apartment. And the whole thing being that she... Newly married, very simple kind of desires in life. Wants to, you know, just live a happy, be a housewife, a housewife, a homemaker, and so step. There's a brilliant that. scene where the husband comes home and she immediately stops what she's doing, goes into the kitchen and brings him a sandwich and a drink. Yeah, it's like there you go. And he goes, yeah. So um, yeah, it was very good. And so she falls pregnant. She wants to fall pregnant, I, I guess, and then falls pregnant, and then this world of paranoia and nightmares and, and weirdness kind of strikes, and the whole thing being that it turns out that uh, it's, you know... Well, yeah, I if guess, you haven't seen the film, maybe we're going to... Yeah, because like, we are going to spoil them, because they're yeah, so 50 years old. Exactly, four, 45 years old. Yeah. Uh, so um, there's a coven of witches. Uh, All her neighbours are like old people, so you're kind yeah. of going, this is a bit creepy. And then they decide to have a baby, and one night, um, when they decide to have the baby, what actually happens is she gets impregnated by the devil. By the devil, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's basically it. You can find all like if you don't want to watch the film, you can look up that scene on uh, on YouTube, and it's very very weird. And then slowly, um, this world of paranoia, and it is very relatable. Okay, so it's got the devil and everything, but everything else in it is because everyone is wary of weird neighbors, and like there's one uh, neighbor in particular, and she is the most. I've written down her name. Uh, oh yeah, Ruth Gordon. She's brilliant. She's she's yeah. incredibly creepy and weird in her voice because she's like, oh yeah, honey. You gotta drink this. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to take this because it becomes obvious that while well, okay, Mia Farrow, yeah, and Mia Farrow kind of thinks what she dreamt didn't actually happen, but then she starts to become wary because the pregnancy isn't going quite right, and everybody's being really weird, and people who try to help her at different times suddenly disappear. Mm. So it kind of it's all building to mm. a head. Yeah, the woman Ruth Gordon won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress this year. Oh. So it won that and then was nominated for a screenplay as well because mm-hmm. uh, it's adapted from a book. I don't know if anyone has read the book. If you go back and read, as I did because I have very little to do, uh, reviews from back in the day, they all talk about, oh, this classic you know, novel and you know, I haven't read the novel but I can tell it's great so I guess it's a little And it was like, Polanski's first English Hollywood film or? Uh, his first Hollywood film, yeah. I can't remember if... Uh, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so, but um, 1968, so it was kind of before he was that well known. I think Repulsion had come out a couple of years before, and um, or was it? Yeah. Anyway, so he uh, it kind of put him on the map, and mm-hmm. the film is is absolutely brilliant. I loved it, and I think there's a few points in it we were talking about earlier where the tone goes a little bit kind of off. But if you watch any of the Hitchcock films or anything, there are things that just mm-hmm. seem weird and dated. But this is something that's you know so old yeah I thought it was, it's really good for me the main thing is Mia Farrow's performance like she's the whole gamut of emotions and she's mm. fantastic and she kind of holds the whole film together the tone for it at me at times is a bit like this like towards the end it goes a bit too much comical and it's trying to go for the weird creepy sinister thing and you're like oh, it's, no I don't know if it quite works the whole time mm. But for me, it's just about Mia Farrow's performance, and the music yeah. is brilliant. We heard it. We snipped it over. Yeah, we. I guess we should play a clip. Uh, this is a little bit of a clip of her talking to her ever trusting husband, who is kind of more or less in on things and mm, kind of you know a horrible person, really, a truly terrible person. And um, yeah, so this is the two of them having a chat about some strange kind of coincidences and everything. You're stealing my car, all right? Poor old geezer with a crazy father like that. No wonder he switched his name around. You, you don't think he's the same? What do you mean, a witch? <laughs> Roe, are you kidding? Oh, Roe, honey. His, his father was a martyr to it. You know how he died? Honey, it's 1966. <laughs> this was published in 1933. There were covens in Europe. That's what they're called, the, um, the, the congregation. Covens in Europe, in America, and in Australia, and they have one right here. That whole bunch, the parties with the singing and the flute and the chanting, those are espas or sabbaths or I mean, whatever they're called. Honey, don't get excited, called. huh? Read what they do, Guy. They use blood in their rituals, and the blood that has the most power is baby's blood. And they don't just use the blood, they use the flesh, too. Rosemary, for God's sakes. They're not setting foot in this apartment ever again. And they're not coming within 50 feet of the baby. They're old people. They have a bunch of old friends. Dr. Shan happens to play the recorder. They're not taking any chances with the baby's safety. We're going to sublet and move out. We are not. Oh, yes, we now are. we'll talk about it later. Anyway, that's it. Rosemary's baby. I'm giving it a five. What did you think? Hmm... <laughs> 
three and a half maybe three and a half if you were seeing that film now though if I was seeing it now I'd probably give it three yeah, it's not like for me it, in some ways it isn't even a horror it's more a suspense thriller kind of thing because yeah. it didn't scare me in any way it was just a bit creepy and a bit you know unsettling but I, there was no point because the two other films we're going to talk about properly one of them properly freaked me out and the other one yeah. there was some good scares in it yeah but technically want... it looks fantastic and you know good yeah. performances so I'm giving a full recommendation uh, speaking of other films you want to move on to number two <laughs> yeah so the second film we're going to take a look at which was my favourite of the three is The Haunting from 1963 and the reason kind of we picked this was it was on a time out total in, film total film um and Martin Scorsese total has li- it. Li- yeah, it was a total film. You can easily Google a total film list of the 50 uh, best horror films. It's a really obscure kind of list. Like yeah. You would think total film, I've always felt, I've never read it, but you always put it in with Empire as being kind of like, yeah. you know. Or living in Empire's shadow almost. Yeah, kind of everything, there's barely anything from before 2000. There's like two or three. Cause yeah. did, you, did you check out the full Yeah. After? So this, what caught our eye with this is Martin Scorsese maintains it's, his it it was the number one film that he made as the scariest that he's ever seen. It was his number one. Yeah, it was what his was number the one. actual number one. I think it was The Exorcist. The Exorcist. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it basically it was remade in nineteen ninety six, um, starring Liam Neeson and uh, Catherine Zeta Jones, but the one we're going to talk about was the original from nineteen sixty three. It also was based on a book, um, called The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. So it was directed by Robert Wise, and as Nigel pointed out to me when we were. It. He also directed The Sound of Music, Star Trek The First Motion Picture. Star, Star Trek The Slow Motion Picture, as it's affectionately known by fans. And uh, West Side Story. So he's quite a director of note. Yeah, so it basically tells the story. It's a classic haunted house story. Um, we've got Dr. Markway, who's played by Richard Johnson, and he's investigating paranormal activity. Um, the person who owns the house is Russ Tamblin. And he basically wants the doctor to say, yeah, there's no scary people here because there's a whole history going back to the house. People have lived there before. People have died because he wants to sell the house on. And then there's two other female characters. Uh, Julie Harris plays Nell and Claire Bloom plays Theo. There's a really interesting thing when you're kind of watching it. There's this real, there's like a lesbian undercurrent going through it that you're kind of like, is this really going on? And I read up about it, and it is. It's contained in the novel, briefly, but it, it is a specific it was 50 thing. Years ago in Hollywood, yeah. though, so it's amazing that they even managed to get it passed. Yeah, and it yeah. kind of creates this tension because Nell, the main character, you you kind of she's almost like a Norman Bates in my head. There's something kind of curious going on with her background, yeah, and to do with her mother. Um, and she kind of wants to find answers for that so there's this Theo was the lesbian and who's interested in her but Nell has also clearly got a thing for the doctor so it kind of creates this weird triangle and it, it adds the tension to it also the way it's shot looks fantastic it's um, the cinematographer is Davis Bolton and you can tell when you're watching it that Sam Raimi obviously saw it and lifted from it because it does that thing where it zooms in on corners of rooms uh, totally changing the camera shots and you're just like oh this is where all this stuff came from so it was brilliant to watch that Mm. there's one scene in it which properly terrified me where um, the the doctor's wife turns up and then she goes missing and she comes out of nowhere just for kind of like a split second and then disappears I was terrified it's really creepy it's really good build and emotion Um, I thought it was fantastic yeah like it is a bit it, it's it's creepy and once again if you watch it with the caveat that it's kind of old and there's some stuff like a, a bit creaky and hokey but 
still did uh, did give it a because with the start of it with the with the talk introduction I was kind of like there's a bit of a weird Citizen Kane vibe off this it's very, yes about a big creepy big house yeah people who are a little bit uh, and just the way it's shot I thought it was fant- I was I was delighted we watched it will we take a clip yeah here's a clip <laughs> So and it, there's kind of all these classic wee tricks where you're like, she's talking to someone and she thinks someone's beside her and she's holding somebody's hand, but it's not the hand she's thinking. Really, really good. Love yeah, it. It, it like as I say, like I had a few things. Like it felt like kind of like a film from the fifties, a lot. Like a really old, like even the way you heard it there, but in the voiceover a little bit. The way her delivery is a bit wacky or something, but mm. um, well recommended. What do you give it? If you oh, I'd give it five. You're on the fly for that because I'd watch that again. I think the thing with Rosemary's Baby is I was like I'd probably never watch this again. I would happily. I'd sit down and watch Rosemary's Baby right now. And okay. Chat about it forever. We'll uh, take a I quick go, break. No, no, no. <laughs> so I've just watched Rosemary's Baby again, and I liked it again. I'm sticking by. Um. Anyway, no. I give the haunting the four. I think definitely a four. That um. I'm glad, it, glad yeah. I saw it. And, and but I'd and say if you if you out, yeah if you put yourself as a fourteen year old seeing that in nineteen sixty three absolutely you'd be yeah. terrified. Would, it felt like a really good drive in film as well where yeah. you just get properly creeped out if we wanted. The character just very very quickly um, who plays Luke Sanderson the guy who the young guy who owns it is in loads of stuff at the moment he was the leader of the Jets in the original uh, West Side Story he also has a bit part in Django and he plays a character called the Doc in Drive who I cannot remember who the Doc is in Drive I do not know on a postcard answers on a postcard for sure Uh, very good so the third film that we looked at for uh, the first and maybe no not the final the first and hopefully first of many uh, parts of our watch with spool series. yeah we'll do a Christmas one might do a Christmas one and then like a romantic thing and hopefully what we'll try to do is just like find films for Valentine's Day oh, okay. and then Easter maybe right. find films we haven't seen or that maybe some people haven't really seen so to try and recommend some stuff um, but anyway the third one was Dario Argento's Suspiria so uh, we both we watched The Haunting together but again we watched Suspiria separately we yeah. mixed it up a bit um, do you want to take a clip from it? Did you have one? Uh, yeah, this is the original trailer for it in America. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. Yeah, so that was the American trailer for the film, which came out in 1977. As Nigel said, it's kind of Dario Argento. It's seen as his seminal film, um, Italian horror. And it stars Jessica Harper, is Susie Banyan, and she arrives in Germany to this dance ballet school. Middle of the night, someone runs out of it, shouting something back into the house, disappears. We follow then this person leaving it, and she gets killed. And then it flash forwards to the next day and um, Susie's in the college. She's getting to know different people. 
and she kind of thinks things are a bit weird she befriends another American I think uh, Sarah well she comes across as American and she's played by um, Stephanie Cassini and the two of them kind of begin to uncover that the teachers aren't exactly what they seem and um, are actually kind of a coven of witches hope one of them doesn't die (laughs) (laughs) so um, it does that weird thing it's kind of like a spaghetti western where the audio hasn't been recorded after it was dubbed on after it yeah which which I at first found a bit unnerving and then I found it kind of comforting and then kind of creepy again. It's just very weird. And this is how Italian films were made for a huge amount of time. So the actors, um, what's her name? Jessica Harper, is it? Yeah. So Jessica Harper, I read a thing with her about saying that you're, she's there acting. She's uh, English language um, American. And she's, she's there acting and she'll be speaking to someone who's a German um, actress and that person's just speaking in their native language yeah. so you have no idea what the other person is saying so it's like and really off screen someone is finishing a set I heard her say yeah, yes, you can hear someone finishing thing. off the set exactly so it must just be phenomenally weird and unnerving to work in that environment but it also means that for people nowadays like the first thing you do is like oh I better find um, you know the deluxe criterion DVD edition of this I'm sure they have the original kind of Italian language version with subtitles and these things don't really exist it was originally presented and done in English that he made it for um, as much for America as anything and they both had the same level of you know director's approval or whatever that Argento seemed to kind of view them both so like the one that you get in those box sets is the one with the weird um, overdubbed yeah and the music in it is fantastic I thought it kind of sends you a bit mental and it's by Goblin we play a tiny bit of the music go for it that kind of makes it like what everybody says if they say the story isn't up to much it's more so the visuals of it the, the crazy deep reds and this it constant looked, sound yeah it looked phenomenal like there's so much in it that it doesn't even look like a film it's like kind of, I don't an know, art installation maybe or yeah I was going to say like, it feels like you're kind of having a heart attack or having like a, you've got a migraine or something it's some weird like the weird red like strobe lights yeah. and it just looks really really good and lots of creepy shadowy shots from around the school and um, Darren Aronofsky said it was heavily influenced Black Swan and you can see a film from a couple of years ago um, two years ago maybe Barbarian Sound Studio obviously yeah, is see if you like it. yeah that starred Toby Young is that the uh, Toby Jones Toby Jones mm. so he's kind of the sound guy coming in when the film is finished to do the overdubbing it obviously has a lot um, of throwback to that it was the first part of a trilogy that Argento did the other films were Inferno with the last one being Mother of Tears which only came out in 2007 I think so it could be worth checking those out um, yeah it is I like that he had like wasn't it Inferno 1980 so then he kind of takes yeah yeah like yeah yeah exactly well I guess I could just do a trilogy of my two most famous yeah nothing else is working out again like I was saying Rosemary's Baby didn't kind of scare me there was a couple of scenes in this that terrified me there's a bit where um Sarah is kind of trying to escape from the thing and it's a brilliant shot it's just her going through this door and you see her walk through and then she just falls on reams and reams of barbed wire and gets totally caught up in them and it comes out of nowhere it's terrifying yeah Um, oh yeah no and you can see it's influence in a lot of the like horror films then from like the next 
kind of American films, and even like we talked about the Evil Dead and stuff, the way the weird, like little bits of it in that, I'm sure. In the last 15 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. so I I found it really hard to connect with it. Like, I was was, was continuously interested in it. I don't think it's the type of film you could say you love, because it's it's just too unsettling. It's made for watching in, like, in a film class or something, watching a sequence and just seeing how to put together a terrifying, like, you know, like an escape scene or something, or the bit where... um, where your one is kind of her neck is broken from outside the window yeah and it then crushed in through the glass like terrifying sequences but as a whole thing I found it a bit uh, rough so mm-hmm. I'm going with maybe a three mm-hmm. I'd go with a four yeah. yeah but glad I saw it like you can Definitely, see yeah. from it why it is kind of attractive yeah yeah um, very good so that was our Halloween kind of section anyway happy Halloween happy Woo. Halloween So um, here we are. We just did October, and um, my favorite film that came out in October, I think, in fact, I'm almost certain it was because I don't think it was a great month. Um, was Captain Phillips, the Paul Greengrass, uh, Somali pirate adventure, hostage taking story. Um, we saw this uh, two weeks ago. Work and I went to it, and uh, yeah, like I actually had kind of mixed um, expectations beforehand because I had seen there was a, the Danish film out earlier in the year um, a hijacking Carpangan or the hijacking a hijacking um, do you like my Danish? it's okay do you know other da- you of course watch uh, you watch the Borgen no? no no uh, the killing oh the killing I watched the original one of that yes. the original you watched the like, American so you, you have an ear for Danish yeah yeah it sounded good very good um and so, uh, yeah, anyway, so I was like, well, we've kind of already seen a bit of a story, but the films couldn't be th- that different, or couldn't be more different if they wanted. This goes for the good, you know, American hero approach to the whole thing. Like, the thing with with uh, a hijacking is that it tells, like, the diplomatic mm. kind of bureaucracy that goes on. Like, the boat in it is held up for about four months, and they chat phone calls they drop in and out and crew members die and it's a really slow process and the f- the hero so of it, Danish I know <laughs> the hero of it is the um, the head of the the oil freight company whereas um, here we don't hear anything from Maersk or apparently they're suing the company or suing the film now apparently the company are suing the film mm. why because because of the way Tom Hanks portrays himself I read that somewhere as going against maybe or portrayed himself as too much of a hero or something I don't know I think they weren't happy of, with Tom Hanks's portrayal I don't know it's very stupid it's based on the book though from the um, actual Captain yeah. Phillips I had zero expectations going into this I thought it was going to be like a propaganda American more deadly saw yeah. the pirates and I was really surprised but I loved it um, and I thought in the way that Zero Dark because there's a scene obviously so he gets hijacked and then they're trying to get it resolved and there's a bit where the I don't know is it the Navy? Seals? Maybe the US Marine Yeah uh, so they Navy turn up Seals. they're kind of the negotiators Seal Team 8 I think not Seal Team 6 they're too busy with Bin Laden uh, So they turn up and they're kind of going to sort the whole thing out and it's really kind of matter of fact they just do it and when when it's certain things are resolved they just walk off and there's no like nobody all stands up and high fives and jumps and claps it's just very matter of fact 
this is what we have to do and we did it and it's good if you go in not knowing anything because towards the end when you're watching it I remember there's that scene from the news where you see the, the lifeboat in the, the water yeah. but the way it's well, resolved it no no but yeah the way it's resolved I was like oh, I didn't know that happened yeah yeah it's quite shocking oh, it is good I don't know if you're slagging off Zero Dark Thirty there you are I am um, yeah but where was the high fives in that they just they did their, their job you know no it was no it was much years. more American propaganda I think than this was just to me was just yeah. the telling of a story of this guy's got kidnapped the boat's got kidnapped and here's them resolving it there was no grandstanding or you know yeah well I think with Zero Dark Thirty they chose rather than have the marines or like we didn't even see Bin Laden it was all about Jessica Chastain and the toil the toll it took on her so I suppose they kind of had to show a bit because there um, is a wee bit of trying to understand where the yeah. Somali pirates have, are coming from in yeah some and this is it like I linked to it in my uh, review of it and you can just google wired magazine Somali mm. pirates and there's a thing from about four years ago that I read which it blow like will just blow your mind in terms of the economics of how these things work and the film is actually quite good at explaining how they just kind of head out and stuff it's a bit it's not a it's not the most I suppose tolerant film of like Somali people like it's a very American film like and it doesn't really try to explain why they're being driven to do this because of what has happened to their own economy like you know they're bad guys obviously because Mm. they're I think it does a wee bit in the start because it's like they're on the beach and then it's like look you have to go out they're almost like being forced to do it they don't really yeah. want to buy these people who are higher up and then there's a scene when they're in the boat can't remember what it is but Tom Hanks is telling him something and your man goes well maybe that'll happen in America but it doesn't happen here you know mm. and you do get a sense it's so tense at some points it's a really good suspenseful yeah. thriller the times. actors oh it's phenomenal that's why I think it's like Argo because I bought into Argo I bought into this yeah and, and maybe not, uh, Argo is incredibly celebratory okay. Yeah. T- towards the end like where Argo lost me was that the last scene Flapping with the, on, the uh, on the plane and yeah. even before that when the, the the car was chasing the airplane on the tarmac you were like that clearly didn't happen there's no way that happened yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. ridiculous whereas this and that's kind of going back to my point where the, the lads just walked off the boat it was like they've done their job yeah and with these big films you either buy into them like I've since read a good few people who uh, went to White House Down and were taken you know taken back by how much they enjoyed it and we both thought well I thought I think I thought it was better than you I thought it was brainless and fun and which one's that is that Channing Tatum one Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx like, no I preferred so- the other one yeah but like it was so stupid but in some way you just go along with the ride in it but um, with this you were either going to buy into it and care about what happens or you're going to be like oh just let him let let him die um, a quick word as well for the guys playing the pirates um, they're all from uh, America Minneapolis um, from Somali uh, families and Somali origins so it's actually it's good like you don't have um, I don't know d- d- uh, who's the guy who was in Blood Diamond Digimon Hansu and like other guys who were like being forced to just play generic Morgan like, Freeman and Dan Morgan like. Freeman yeah just Central oh just you can probably do Central African can't you you're black you just, just yeah. you know it's insulting whereas with this Paul Greengrass and he a had a device wasn't it where the, nobody met each other until I think when the lads yeah, actually yeah, yeah. come to hijack the boat is the first time that Tom Hanks met them yeah which is good because then you can imagine the scene and the whole thing just works fantastically like as a thing we've a clip of of the um, That's of that hijacking so we'll just kind of play it you can get a sense it's alright 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 it's alright
the ship too hard. We're off the grid. That means the computer's now offline. Captain. The ship's broken. Captain. No one get hurt if you don't play no game. Uh, it's The ship's broken. We had to go. Nobody gets hurt. Easy. Hey! Look at me. Sure. Look at me. Sure. I'm the captain now. The bit where he keeps referring to Tom Hanks as Irish, because yeah, Tom Americans Tom Hanks is half the American. But that was really I don't mean I was like it was really annoying me. It was really making me hate the Somali guy because right, he was really goading him the whole time. He's like, "Come on, Irish, what are you doing?" Irish? And you're like, "Stop saying that." Yeah. Again, though, this is a kind of the kind of thing, and I, it's been out two weeks, gosh, like two and a half weeks now, I think, at this stage. And so, I th- I think it could have a bit of, in- like, it could be the kind of thing you'll actually want to go and watch with, uh, with your parents or with. It's a great Christmas guys. film, kind of, or something. Yeah, yeah. it is a good feel good film. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll move on. Um, what else did? Yeah, the second like film. Uh, we didn't review this on the website, but both of us saw it. It's called Prince Avalanche, and it's directed by David Gordon Green, who people will know directed Pineapple Express, and yeah. he filmed this film. Which is hilarious to go. It through. is very we good. We did earlier films. Um, I don't remember the name of them. I haven't seen. Yeah, I was kind of looking through them, and I was like, no. Yeah. So the first time I became aware of him was Pineapple Express, mm-hmm. and he wanted to go away from the big studio, so he directed this kind of totally in secret. Didn't really tell anyone where he was shooting it. And it's set in nineteen eighty-eight, and it's after a fire in Texas, Texas, East Texas. I think yeah. So we basically have, yeah, we have two characters. Paul Rudd plays Alvin and Emil Hirsch plays Lance. Hence the title Prince Alvin Lance. Did you get that in the title? That's where the title comes from. Oh. Yeah, there's a bit in the film where really? they're talking. Yeah, because they're talking and they say something Prince and he's like, yeah, it'd be like the adventures of Prince Prince Alvin and uh, Lance. Yeah, and I, was no, like, I just heard that. I was like, oh, that's kind of like the title. <laughs> there you go. Um, I was hung over at the time, to be fair. So it's a remake of an uh, Icelandic film. <sighs> Deep breath for this. Who was direct? I practiced this earlier. Who was? Who it was directed by? Um, Hafstein and Gunnar Sigurdsson. Mm-hmm. So um, it's basically What's a retelling of that. Oh, I don't know. The spell it out there. It's like the volcano. Yeah. No. Uh, so basically, those two guys have the job of re painting the yellow lines on the road and putting in posts after these bushfires have, have decimated the place so they're totally isolated they sleep in tents every night work Monday to Friday and then at the weekend Paul Rudd just stays and writes letters to his girlfriend and Emil Hirsch goes into town so here's his a girlfriend clip girlfriend who is Emil Hirsch's uh, sister, sister yeah. yeah and here's the clip seriously are you really cool not getting laid all summer I don't really have much of a choice, do I? I mean, when you were out here for the spring by yourself, didn't you get lonely? Like, so lonely? There's a difference between being lonely and being alone. There is? Oh, yeah. I reap the rewards of solitude. How do you do that? Well, I write letters to your sister. I read, I paint. So I had a cat, so I used to take care of my pet before it was killed. I have a lot of prescription medications, but I try not to use them. Wow. I don't know. 
I get so horny out here in nature. Don't you? Horny? I don't think so. So, to kind of... Paul Rudd obviously loves being in nature and Emile Hirsch is kind of the young go-getter wants to go to parties can't really stand it he's only got the job because his sister's going out with Paul Rudd and then you kind of learn as well that Paul Rudd's slightly unhinged he kind of obviously prefers not having to interact mm, with people in the clear medication yeah. yeah so um, he has a bit of an episode and the two of them go a bit crazy but it's nice like there's a great <sighs> spark between the two of them it's, it's, really just, it's funny camaraderie like it's kind of like a buddy movie. yeah with, yeah but um and also then weird like you know waiting for Godot kind of sitting around what do people do when when they're just like they're looking at each other yeah like, what, what do you space. talk about and there's only so much like I know like I'm what 28 now if I was w- went and told I had to spend the summer with someone who was like I don't know 17 who have nothing in common with like and we've no internet and no te- like what the hell what are we going to talk about like yeah. there's only so many times you can talk about your work day yeah and uh, it's a bit too indie tastic as well at times did you pick up that kind of or it's a bit like oh here's a shot of nature and here's some bugs I like and no I loved it, it I like nature though and you don't no I do but it was just I like, like ah, I see what you're doing here I can identify with them though I've left the working world <laughs> <laughs> I've given up on, on, on society to go and um, pay <laughs> to work on roads and fences that's an exaggeration so there's thing. a big part of the film that I didn't understand as well because Paul Rudd at one point uh, goes for a walk and comes across this woman who's in the wreckage of her house kind of putting it back together and he talks to her for ages gives her a hug then we never really see that woman again face to face we always see her walking away and she interacts with another male character there's only really four characters in the film Mm. four scene characters because they create a world of Uh a few other people like um the younger Emil Hirsch, this guy goes to um, goes to a party and tries yeah. to get laid and all mm. this kind of stuff. Yeah, but there's four people. So there, that so. woman then, Emil Hirsch, uh, says to the truck driver guy, talks about the woman, and this truck driver guy can't see her or doesn't recognize her. Like, but she's in his truck the whole time. So then you're like, is this woman real? And Paul Rudd can see her as well, but this truck driver is adamant Did that they she's talk not about there. Having seen her, they talk about it at the end because they both realize that they can see her getting into the oh, truck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so then is the guy in the truck story. real I suspect it's deliberately really vague that's what I didn't like because it was just like nothing you're would t- get past both of us no gonna... and you're trying to be like you're trying to be clever for clever's sake here but it's not really anything clever at all it's just stupid the truck driver was brilliant he was great my favourite person ever as he just like with his moonshine was that moonshine I think some sort of puccini yeah, yeah. adding it to his giant beer yeah but overall very good very enjoyable great performances um, from Mil Hirsch it's nice to see him in something again yeah I can't remember the last thing um, it was really weird because I went for dinner then just after it and we are having our dinner and Into the Wild ah. was on on the big screen so like Emil Hirsch in the wild yeah in, obviously in the that's where he came to prominence really that's where yeah like that film it's one of my favourites he did Speed Racer then with the Wachowski brother and sister the Wachowski siblings yeah. siblings very underrated Speed Racer but um, and Milky yeah he's needed a he's needed a hit kind of um, I think and then Paul Rudd people who kind of know these things know that he's capable of, of mm. really acting but to a lot of people he's just the guy who's you know slapping the bass yeah slapping the bass who's very good in stuff like I Love yeah. Man and all but he can't actually things. properly act great moustache um, a wonderful bit of facial hair yeah really period sense of like you know the way it is oh the boombox yeah and, and the boombox and the music and everything and yeah so just phenomenally uh, 
nice film. So mm. like, um, I'm giving it a four. Where are you going? Yeah, three and a half, four. Ah, you'll push it up to four, good man. <laughs> That's what you call consensus. Um, I don't, I don't have anything like the in during the month. There was a couple of other things like at the beginning of the month we blew Jasmine, which we didn't get to talk about before, but it's great. Um, I saw enough said, which I loved, but nothing else really knocked my socks mm. off. Cloudy Fifth State really kind of confused me and disappointed yeah. me. But we've got Cloudy too. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs too I came out. Seen this yet. Uh, it was very good. It's enjoyable. It's a bit of a me- like it's a bit all over the place. They're kind of trying to get too much in, but there's an interesting thing where it, it's Flint Lockwood again is the character and um, his hero is this Chester Five who's basically Steve Jobs which is kind of weird because he kind of quite quickly you realise he's a bit evil and it seems to be a real anti-Facebook Google, Apple, mm. Twitter, all these kind of companies, you know, that they just basically mine smart people, take all their ideas and make it for themselves. Reminded me of that, you remember that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Bill Gates takes over Homer's internet company and no. Homer's like, yeah, okay. And then two goons come in and bust everything up. And Bill Gates is like, well, you didn't think I got rich writing a load of checks, did you? <laughs> so it kind of reminded me of that. And then it kind of has all the usual characters. The animation looks great. Sony Animation are behind it. Um, there's a good Tom Waits bit in it. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, there's Tom Waits singing a song. But I can't find anywhere on the internet if it's actually him. And I can't find who did the voice of it. So I don't know if it's uncredited or if it actually is Tom Waits. Maybe you imagined it. Were you on your meds? No. Um, but also, though, because then it was like... Um, Terry Crews replaces Mr. T. And I didn't even notice that until I went to write the review. Yeah, I was trying to remember. I want to go back and watch the first one again because it was my favorite film of the year, two thousand and nine. Nine, it? it came out. Yeah, there's brilliant side jokes oh. like Bruce Campbell was in the first one, Mister T. Um, Bruce Neil Patrick Harris. Harris plays the monkey, and he's hilarious in this again. And Anna, Anna Faris plays Sam Spark. So it is. It's good. It's a bit too all over the place, I but love it's the not. Cast. It's, yeah, I yeah. think I'll. I think I'll wait. Uh, and watch it at some stage but mm. it's probably the best kids film this year because Monsters University was terrible yeah of the big ones we yeah. haven't seen Turbo no I don't really tend to go to children's films so do you what do you go to them for sometimes <laughs> to review them you have nephews and nieces as yes. well though. I fear children <laughs> um, um, cool final um, film just of our October uh, the Irish pub is going to be available on Volta from the 1st of November uh, got to see this in the lighthouse and director Alex Fegan basically just went to a load of different pubs around Ireland um, that were unique, kind of, it's not, they basically didn't go to the chains, um, and talked to, I think it was third generation owned, it had to be, so it's something, there's a couple of pubs from Dingle, there's a brilliant one with Cav and the, the barman there kind of makes the film, and a couple from Dublin that you'll know and have been in. So it's a really nice film. It's a bit... It was kind of unfortunate for him because it came out about the week after Arthur's Day. So the last thing people wanted to watch was a film about yeah, pubs and drinking. About. Yeah, and there's so much Guinness in it because it's just like, that's what people drink in a pub and it's what Dublin and Ireland is famous for. So people are just like, no. But um, it's coming out in Volta. Worth a download. Um, it kind of would remind you of His and Hers, which came out a couple of years ago. Just talking to people face on really nice kind of story it's a great document and it's really interesting because his next film he admitted at the screening was he's going to go and talk to people who are over the age of 100 so he's just going to talk to them enjoy that because yeah. they're not great there's about 40 of them now in Ireland apparently people that are over 100 and he's going to go and interview them and get their take on the world I think it sounds fantastic mm. so I suppose 
all that's left is our movie moment of the month. Oh yeah, so my one is from um, the Metallica. Oh, don't be so enthusiastic. <laughs> no, well, no, it is an enthusiastic moment. So it's not really a film because it's actually more like a gig. Um, Metallica brought out an IMAX concert film, which is probably the most immersive concert film type thing I've seen. But it's not really a film; like it's a gig. But it's absolutely amazing in terms of the way it's shot. Looks great. But they have this really weird hokey story that they link together a few songs with. So like they'll play a song. And then they'll show this weird little story that Dane DeHaan, who was in um, Chronicle and Beyond... Uh, Place Beyond the Pines. The Place Beyond the Pines. And uh, he's kind of like a roadie who's sent across the city to like get some fuel for a truck. And on the way, he meets loads of monster zombie things on horses. And so this doesn't really work all that well. It's kind of fun and takes your mind off. Does he kill the guy who found it in Abster? Um, I don't know. <laughs> They've moved on. They're very progressive now. Oh, right. Lars Ulrich has forgiven the internet. Um, but no, there's a moment when um, he ends up killing this... He, smashing this fella on a horse who's like a typical... I don't know why um, metal music has to have all this weird imagery associated with it, but they just go along with it. Um, and so like terrible? This weird... No, well, that's a very... What's that mean? I don't know. Go on, anyway. Yeah. Like, as in, I don't know why, you know, to go to a metal... It's, it's a much broader question. You know, you have to have a black uh, black t-shirt and... Long hair. In, yeah, if you, if you want to form a band and want to make money, uh, form either a, a really bad country band and move to America or do a metal band because they still buy CDs and they love their black t-shirts, so you'll be laughing. Um, but anyway, in this, Dane Hans guy smashes up this uh, ho- fella on a horse um, with a big giant hammer and um, it's really really weird a ginormous hammer which causes this electrical thing and then at the gig they finally link the two and at the gig all the like lights fall down on the whole stage and um, it's kind of cool and then Metallica have to shrink do you know where the gig was filmed? no uh, no okay I probably should I saw the trailer and it looks mental like the yeah. actual stage and oh, that kind of the gig part is flawless and if you like the I wonder if the gig was like oh no we have to stop now sorry we have to do that again because that camera wasn't working or because yeah. it looks incredibly staged it looks a bit too spinal tappy though <laughs> that's kind of what they've become they're a very polished mm. band but um, yeah and it, it is cool and I mean it is reminded if you've ever seen Metallica you'll know kind of how their show works that um, they uh, start off with their and the whole film starts kind of like the gig as well because they have the Ennio Morricone Ecstasy of Gold music which they've used since before Morricone was cool in 1983 they've used it for 30 years so ah. they're you know they're on it so anyway that, that's the weird moment where Thingy smashes this thing with a with a hammer and it's kind of weird and cool right. I don't know like you can't even recommend this because I think it's gone from IMAX it's only on for like one night I think it's on for and I think it's on for the week until Captain Phillips Phillips came out yeah and which moves us nicely onto my movie moment of the month which is mm-hmm. the end scene I won't talk about it too much from Captain Phillips and it just kind of reminds you why Tom Hanks is actually an amazing actor because it's I suppose I've never been in a horrible accident thankfully or anything but you get this sense that you just kind of go into autopilot and you go through it but then you stop and you it, you, you kind of get the full effect yeah. of what has actually happened yeah. and the five minutes or whatever when or not even two maybe where this is unfolding for Tom Hanks is amazing you're like oh yeah you are actually an excellent actor um, and I think he might get best actor nod 
Oscar time. Oh yeah, I'll give you a ton of money if he doesn't at least get nominated. Yeah. Um, because the Monuments Man has been delayed. That was the one that everyone was George Clooney's film. Not Saw the trailer for that the other day. It looks odd. Yeah, but it was an Oscar. It looks like it's so. going for a serious vibe. I thought it would have been a comedy, Kelly's Heroes, but it looks more like yeah. on the veins of the Good Shepherd. And I'm hol- I'm holding out for the Butler. I saw that trailer again. It never gets old. So many presidents. <laughs> Um, Anyway, that wraps up October, I suppose. Cool, so very quickly to wrap up, we're into part three. Um, Into November now, an exciting month coming up. We talked a lot about Gravity in last month's uh, podcast. It's out November 7th in IMAX, so it's doing that really crazy thing that only films like um, The Dark Knight or uh, Toy Story get where they're getting like 95 96 97 percent on these review aggregator sites and as well it's making over 100 million so there's not a whole lot of films have done should, that. should we get the rid Avengers of the stars and that. go to percentages yeah no i think it's a 96 <laughs> and a half but then we'd need to do halves yeah. um well no well, all they do is like they take every single review out there yeah. i've tried to get us on rotten tomatoes but it's incredibly hard you have to oh. prove um, you have to prove that over half a million people are reading your site. Or what? And yeah, because they want legit. They don't want like you know, crummy oh, sweaty okay. bloggers like us. You know, I know sniffles. But, Fight the man. Yeah, but it is good anyway. So I I think it's always a really good or for how mainstream kind of America is kind of viewing it. I wish anyway. Um, and so it's made a big ton of money so Gravity's out in the 7th but it's not my pick my pick is mm. actually a film that's out the week after that which not a whole lot of people are talking about um, The Counselor um, a few so people are talking Ridley about Scott. it yeah a fair few but it's not getting any kind of Oscar they buzz. released a promo during the week where um, I think it was through GQ where Michael Fassbender goes into a shop to buy lingerie and basically just has sex with his eyes with the female uh, assistant I haven't watched it yet but apparently it's very good I didn't I didn't see that um, anyway so the 15th of November uh, Ridley Scott adapting Cormac McCarthy who as we know did No Country for All Men and then yeah. and he wrote the screenplay Cormac McCarthy yeah and he did The Sunset Limited which was that film that was a play or something that Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel L. Jackson did um, and so yeah it looks great I think it's going to do really really divide people and be a bit like I don't know, killing them softly or, or killing. What was that film from earlier? Killing me softly, like something. No, that's the Fuji song. Um, killing them softly. Yeah. There you go. Like a film that people who like it will love it, but other people will be left kind of cold. And it has annoyed. the. T- it could be very like Cormac McCarthy is incredibly macho. Yeah. Horrible characters, blood and guts, and yeah. Um, um. Anyway, do you have a pick for the month? Yeah, my pick of the month is going to be Drinking Buddies and it's coming out on the 1st of November. It stars Olivia Wilde who was 13 from House and also in Cowboys. Can I think people know who Olivia Wilde is? Ah, just in case you didn't. Just say the lesbian from the OC. Go yeah. with that. I didn't know she was in the OC. Yeah. Is that where she made it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jake Johnson who is in The New Girl and Safety Not Guaranteed that film from last year also stars Anna Kendrick and Ron Livingston. Tell me who they are. Uh, Anna Kendrick is in Fifty Fifty, and Ron Livingston was the dad in The Conjuring um, basically Olivia Wilde and Jake Johnson work with each other at a brewing company but they each have significant <laughs> um, others and it kind of seems like a romantic comedy comedy of errors hooking up with each other not hooking up I know I think it's going to be brilliant and the director is Joe Swanberg and he kind of he's got like a million films that he's directed on IMDb but did you see your next the horror film mm-hmm. he is actually one of the people in that he's the kind of one of the annoying brothers who gets killed eventually he's one of the mumblecore 
yeah posse so this will be nice and chat so yeah uh, it's coming out the 1st of November getting good enough reviews but I think it's just like an indie romantic comedy should be good cool um, so we'll wrap up very quickly with uh, because it's Halloween um, I and it's my turn to pick uh, I've gone for a scene from my favourite film of all time probably The Shining so it had a big reissue last year but we're not no one's paying it any attention this year um, and remember it, it came out it was reissued and then we got the documentary Room 237 as well which was but if anyone hasn't seen it in a while go back and watch it Uh, this um, particular scene that I like which will hopefully work nicely well kind of it does have Danny so it's Scatman Crothers uh, who uh, is Dick Halloran and he's just talking to Danny about what The Shining is and what it's been to him so uh, have a listen thanks very much for tuning in and we'll See you next month. Bye bye. I can remember when I was a little boy. My grandmother and I could hold conversations entirely without ever opening our mouths. She called it shiny. And for a long time, I thought it was just the two of us that had to shine to us. Just like you probably thought you was the only one. But there are other folks though mostly they don't know it or don't believe it. How long have you been able to do it? Why don't you want to talk about it? I'm not supposed to. Who says you ain't supposed to? Tony. Who's Tony? Tony's a little boy that loves my mouth. Is Tony the one that tells you things? Yes. How does he tell you things? It's like I go to sleep and he shows me things. But when I wake up, I can't remember everything. Does your mom and dad know about Tony? Yes. Do they know he tells you things? No, Tony told me never to tell him. Has Tony ever told you anything about this place? About the Overlook Hotel? I don't know.